Hello and welcome back to another strange summer edition of Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the Hulu stuff in between, which is a little weird considering it's Stranger Things themed. Uh, I am John, as always, joined by Anthony, and let's get into some of this business. How's your week been? It's been pretty good. I'm excited to dive into these episodes because Stranger Things season three is getting wild. Oh yeah, and I've been into the into the dark stuff, so I'm excited to talk about that too. How's your week been? Uh, it's been pretty solid. I've uh, got a uh, little anniversary plans with the misses uh, this weekend, so I'm pretty stoked to get to that. Nice. Uh, but I've definitely been enjoying uh, catching up on some things. Like I said, I haven't checked out any of the end of the dark, so this is my first kind of foray into that. And just so you know. Uh, later in this episode, we will have spoilers for 5 and 6 of Stranger Things Season 3 and also for the End of the Dark Culture Shock for July. But other than that, let's hop into some news. I'm going to keep the news for the sci-fi stuff quick and tight for this week so that we can jump into the Stranger Things and into Culture Shock as soon as possible since last week was a bit of a long episode. So, real quick, they said that Cybermen are going to return to Doctor Who. That's a big sci-fi vehicle. And I guess this new season coming out is supposed to be darker, quote-unquote. And so that's pretty neat. And then moving on quickly, TBS has released a teaser trailer for that Snowpiercer series that we were talking about. I haven't checked it out yet, but I probably will if, if it's a teaser because I like teasers generally because I don't want to know too much. But I'd like to see some of the excitement. And the last and probably biggest piece of sci-fi news that I have for you guys is Taika Watiti is signed on to write and direct Thor 4. Whatever they're calling it. I kind of hope they just call it Thor 4. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to say because, I mean... We already know that the next Guardians of the Galaxy vehicle is going to be James Gunn's. They've already given it back to him, which is it's asinine that they took it from him in the first place. But either way, uh, I was really hoping for as Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, I'd be cool to push off James Gunn's for one more time to see that. I definitely love the vibe between the two of them. And I, I like those groups have been top notch for me in the past couple of movies. All right, so let's move on to some of that horror stuff. I'm going to throw it to you, John. Yeah, so apparently the uh, Nosferatu, the, uh, um, I don't remember exactly like the whole scheme of it, but it is uh, going to shudder. So it should be here in August. You'll be able to catch it there, uh, which I am super down for because I have shudder and I like shudder. We are getting an extended cut. We're, we're going to get the NC-17 director's cut of midsummer so i'm cool with that i was saying last week how i was really excited to see if we actually got to you know get that in our greasy little mitts i'm ready for it um we got a trailer for three from hell the full theatrical trailer so we'll probably check that out for those of you who are nintendo switch fans there are going to be a bunch of horror themed games coming out on halloween uh, they are re-releases of previous properties everything except for luigi's mansion 3 which I'm down for that. Uh, but we're also getting uh, Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Resident Evil 6 I could do without, but Resident Evil 5 was a lot of co-op fun. Dark Horse Comics is going to be doing a uh, limited run of Stranger Things comics. It's called Stranger Things Zombie Boys, so I'm interested to see what that turns out like. I don't know why this is listed on a bunch of different horror news sites, but there's a movie called Paradise Hills. Uh, and it's supposed to be a sci-fi thriller, so it's kind of like sci-fi horror crossover territory. It looks a little bizarre, but it has Emma Roberts, uh, your girl uh, Mila Jovovich. Nice. Uh, First love. Uh, Aquafina. So it should be interesting. Uh, it looks kind of it's featuring like water. Aquafina, the actress. I never heard of her. She was in Ocean's 8, along with a bunch of other things. Um <laughs> Yeah, it has this weird kind of vibe where it looks like it's kind of like a mixture between like high fantasy and also there's a pair of headphones in here. Like I, I, I'm confused as to what the plot's supposed to be for this, but I guess when we get a trailer, we'll see what happens. Uh, I definitely like uh, Emma Roberts a lot, so 
We'll see how that turns out. And I know you you have that love for for Ms. Jovovich. Yes, and I am a fan of Emma Roberts too. So yeah, anybody who gets to be Ghostface, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's old enough by this point. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, you're me last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and other than that, I think the news is wrapped up for this week. If there's anything that we missed, hit us up on Instagram, or like I said, check out our Instagram story. All right, let's hop into that trivia. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. Movie trivia. Give you a warm-up question. All right, JB, your first question is from the movies category. What film about the life of legendary composer Mozart won the 1984 Oscar for Best Picture? Amadeus. That is correct. Yeah. 1-1. One, one, nice lead. 1-1. One, 1-0 one. One, oh, oh, so that's far. Right. That's what I meant. Nice. Trying to, try to get bonus points <laughs> before the game starts. Let me take it again. Uh, one zip. Nice lead. <laughs> All right. Uh, what superhero film sequel features the oft-quoted line, Kneel before Zod? Superman two, yes, it's Superman right. two. I was like, I was like, you, I mean, you've only got a few options to choose from here, but yeah, Superman two. Sick. That's ne- tied a game. Kneel before Zod. Then let's get into that TV category. If you sit down to watch the adventures of heroic Bolo Whip wielding Tigra and her friends, what show were you watching? That gonna be Thundercats. That is gonna be Thundercats. Oh, Dang. Shit. Nice. All right. What show centered on the professional and personal lives of two female police detectives played by Tyne Daly and Sharon Gless? Uh, Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're about 30 years too early on that one. It's Cagney and Lacey. Never would have gotten that. So let's move on to music, John. In 1988, what female hip-hop group told us, push it real good? <laughs> Is that Salt and Pepper? That is Salt and Pepper with the pronunciation. Yeah. Their first major hit was Push It. Real good. <laughs> in Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, who used to work at the docks? Fuck, dude. I know that song, but I have no idea. Um, his dad. This is Tommy. Tommy used to work at the docks. Never would have got that. Man, you are killing it, dude. All right. What's the, was it 3-1? Three, three yep, 3 Wow, 3-1 as we move into famous people and events. What state shares a name with a quarterback who won four championship rings with the 49ers <laughs> between 1982 and 1990? Montana. That is correct. Oh, shit. This is getting a little, little antsy. Why, is you about to clean sweep for the first time? I'm, shh, don't jinx Dang, it. I hope I jinx it. The fans of which NBA team started the chant Beat LA during a loss to the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs in 1982? The Lakers. No. Ah, man. So the funny part is, is that there were no LA teams involved. So the chant was from the Boston Celtics. Dang it. That was a trick one. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about sports ball, so... Let's move on to trends, tech, and fun. What company made a popular line of sneakers that were commonly known as Chucks? <laughs> that would be Converse. Yes, the shoes were originally named after famed basketball player Chuck Taylor. Oh, shit. Damn, bro. Well, you for sure won, but let's see what happens. Uh, all right. Uh, which musical artist starred in the first music video ever shown on MTV? Van Halen, The Bugles, or Bow Wow Wow? I know it's not Van Halen. Isn't it Video Killed the Radio Star? But I don't know who sings that. <sighs> Bow Wow Wow. It's The Bugles. Damn it. Does it say that's the song? Uh, no, it does not list what song it is. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Video Killed the Radio Star. I gotta know now. One to five as we move into Stranger Things, the category. Which Yoga D candy bar is mutually adored by both Dustin and Dart. Three Musketeers for the sweet card. Damn, Boom. Bro. I'm going to add some cheers Yay. to the track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hit you with your last question. Who said in season two, you guys act like you want me to be your friend, but then you just treat me like garbage? That's going to be Max. Maxine. Man, I am. I'm proud of you. 
couldn't do it with the horror cards, but he did it with the dual 80s cards. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like a monkey is now off of my back. I don't I don't have to do good at trivia ever again. <laughs> um, I don't know about all that. It's still a competition. Yeah, you know how I am. That being said, if you enjoyed the news segment and the trivia segment, then jump over to that subscribe button so that you never miss out on any of the episodes. And if you're looking for a vehicle to listen to the show on, then I would suggest PodCoin. Yeah, so PodCoin is super dope. Uh, I use it almost every day of the week. And so basically, it's a way to get paid to listen to all your favorite shows. So you can listen to us. You can listen to Joe Rogan or or My Favorite Murder or whoever. Or you can listen to us. <laughs> Again, listen to us a second time. You can check out our friends at The Unexamined Hype. Uh, there are definitely a lot of really great podcasts you can check out on that app. And like I said, you get paid while you're listening. And you can take those pod coins that you're collecting and either donate them to different charities, uh, buy things like gift cards to Amazon, to starbucks target uh you can get things like bose headphones and all kinds of other cool stuff they're constantly updating the list and while you're at it if you're using the app for the very first time you can go ahead and sign in with our uh our download code porcelain and get 300 free coins just for signing up can't beat that that sounds like a win-win for everybody so again that is porcelain for 300 bonus coins and we are a bonus show so you get extra coins for listening to us yeah pretty cool <laughs> all right let's get to that uh that first course of the meal here getting a little of that uh culture shock uh from the end of the dark series so i guess we're getting some like enchiladas i i, I don't know some kind of a hispanic dish <laughs> some kind some kind of a mexican food dish i was originally going to start the episode with being like yeah you know i'm half mexican so i can relate to this movie but then the more i watched it i was like yeah, yeah i didn't yeah. go through any of that so. like, nope, not not a once not a never <laughs> i'm not from mexico i am just of mexican descent so it was a little bit different mm. um going in so basically this is the into the dark series and they do a themed one every month and we've discussed it here and there mostly as stuff comes out and this one is about a woman who is in Mexico and trying to cross over into America. Eventually she does. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into more details, but I just want to give you a basic plot. And then she wakes up. She's also pregnant. She wakes up in this almost Stepford-esque town where everything is very pastel, kind of has that scissor hands feel. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of uh, semblances for me for like Tim Burton – I had I got some, some definite influences as well. Like if you look at a lot of the shots, especially around like the town center and the gazebo, they're all very like Wes Anderson kind of feeling. Had that very like symmetrical kind of feel to it, with like busy things happening on the sides, but the center of the frame was the gazebo with the two characters, and they were static. That particular part of the movie is beautifully shot, and it's so vastly different. From the really handheld, almost found footage kind of feel, the really guerrilla style that you get from that first like third of the movie, and then you jump into this almost like Stepford Wives kind of scenario, and it's it's jarring. Like the like I said, it's it's you're going from dark and drab to going to this like beautiful like almost kind of like fifties esque like dream state. And it was just really jarring. Yeah, no, I agree, and I really liked the comparison between the two. And then so from there, I mean, I'm just going to tell you what happens. So it turns out that she and everyone that tried to cross the border with her were taken captive and in some sort of augmented reality state, and everything in this Stepford Wives-esque town is is digital, mm-hmm. and they are experimenting on these bodies and trying to keep – I guess essentially trying to keep Mexicans out of America. And then it kind of goes from there. And I mean, that's basically the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome, especially at the beginning. And and it makes the whole idea of being in Mexico sound very shitty. And I think that the overall message of this movie is we think the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, exactly. And then it's not necessarily. Well, and not only that, but the way that people act and behave and treat others especially in scenarios like that, you know, where people are being considered like 
not good enough to be one place or the other or, you know, like not valued for making a certain type of decision. Uh, those things were definitely prominent in this. And there was also um, a lot of uh, discussion points about things like sexual assault and abuse. And it, like I said, it was very, very tough to watch in some places, but not in like a, like a, this was a bad made movie. This, it was a lot of, a lot of tough to watch because it was hard hitting subject matter. And that's, there's a big, there's a massive difference in those two things. And I felt like, it like almost seemed like rape was something that happened regularly in whatever town in Mexico they were in. Mm-hmm. Because our main character, we find out throughout that she was raped by her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And then at one point there's a group of women in kind of like a circle, I guess. And they really asked them like, Hey, who's, who here is pregnant and who's not pregnant. Yeah. And then tries to give them contraception because you never know what's going to happen. So it seems like it's pretty common in that village. And I don't know how accurate or inaccurate that is, but either way. Yeah. Like you were saying, that's kind of fucked up and it's a little bit hard to navigate while you're watching it. It is very unnerving. Yeah. And like I said, as far as that goes, like I said, it's a, it's a tough subject matter to tackle in a way where you're not exploiting those characters and where you're making things seem real and like they're being done for the right reasons. And I think coming from the lens of a female director, I think that that makes a lot more sense. It's a Gigi Saul Guerrero. She is a relatively unknown director and she's done a few like different anthology projects. She's also an actress as well. Um, but I think as far as uh, like a first really big like out in front of everyone type of outing, I feel like this is a pretty good stride. I think that you know this is the kind of thing that gets people to notice and say, hey, maybe it's the, maybe it's about time this person gets a feature length that goes to theaters or something along those lines because there's a lot of flair, uh, a lot of different styles shown, and it, like a propensity for being able to not only emulate but be able to also make things kind of their own as well. So I think that, like I said, I think she's got a bright future. And she also was one of the writers for the story as well. So I guess she's been working on this concept for quite a while now. And I like part of the reason why I think this idea is such a cool idea. And I think that uh, as far as horror things are concerned, I feel like Blumhouse is out there doing doing Satan's work, you know, making sure that everything... <laughs> but in that, a good way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> making sure that uh, people who are up-and-comers are getting an opportunity to kind of flex their muscles and show what they what they can do. And I think it's cool, too, that we got not only a female, but also a Hispanic filmmaker, mm-hmm. which I don't feel like we get a lot of. And now the directors are starting to expand. So we're getting females, we're getting blacks, we're getting Mexicans. I think that that's really cool that we're seeing that because then it's going to make for a lot more diverse movies. Mm-hmm. And this definitely was one of those movies. I do feel like the idea of, you know, careful what you wish for is a little cliched. Um, I don't, I'm not so sure that there was a ton of of originality brought here to to the table because I feel like we've had that idea before, even as far back as like uh, an American Tale, that five old mouse movie. You know, well, about, I think like, to be careful what you wish for, and the grass isn't always greener. Those are things that are like fables. Those are like right. like they've been around for a long time, but the subject matter felt super like black mirror and i was all about that like the the whole concept of like the being trapped in this like vr world kind of thing like i said i loved that concept i felt like it was really well done and like i said it made such a vast shift between what was real and what was fake it it made the very first moment that she's in that world super unsettling it did it by making a change to something that looked bright and happy and I felt like that's a that's a masterstroke. That's somebody saying, "Hey, I know what I'm working with and I know what I'm doing." And I said, "I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what her next project is. I'm going to be following very closely." And I would say that the the Stepford stuff before you know what's going on is probably the most her horror stuff that takes place in the movie. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, it's, you know, it's dirty and it's gritty and it's messed up. But until we get to the Stepford reality, it's really not scary in any way. Yeah. Uh, intense, sure. But when we first get into the Stepford and then these days kind of start repeating and they cut and they cut and she wakes up and she 
cuts and she wakes up and it cuts and she wakes up and you are very disoriented by it, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Because you don't know either. Sometimes as the viewer, you get to see a little bit of what's going on. And in this case, it wasn't. You're completely left into the dark. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't feel good about it, but we're moving past it. <laughs> and the lady that she's staying with, or I guess it's a program, right, is super creepy. And they all have these crazy smiles. Mm-hmm. And even the kids are all moving in unison. And it's very robotic. Yeah. And upon thinking about it after, it makes sense because it's a programming, you know? So that's all coded. So all oh, the kids do this. And then they all do it. And the simulated characters, they do this. And mm-hmm. they all do it. And so that was pretty cool. And they do a lot of weird stuff with it. And so it repeats. And she never lets her hold the baby. And you don't really know what's going on. And so I really liked that. And it was scary for a little bit there because you're yeah. like, what's happening? And then she like finds the the wall, right? And it's all, boom, boom, boom. It's all like <laughs> matrixy. And then okay, I was like, whoa, like where's this going? You know? <laughs> and I was not – I think the vo- virtual or the augmented reality thing was a bit of a twist for me because so I didn't know. I had no idea what to expect going in with this one. It was one of those things where I anticipated it for a short period of time, and then I was like, oh, that's, that's probably not it. And then I moved on to a different thought. And right. then when it came back, I was like, oh, shit, I was right. That's cool. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't like a, like I was like 100% confident. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like a VR thing. But how would that work? I don't know. And then left it, left it by the wayside. Right. So, I mean, the acting was good. Mm-hmm. It was fine all around. I wasn't disappointed by anyone. It was super weird to see Creed from yeah. The Office as not Creed from The Office. <laughs> so that was a little bit hard to get past. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do want to say, aside from the fact that he got shot in the head, that like maybe that was like what Creed Bratton did before going to <laughs> Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Could have been. And then I'm actually a big Sean Ashmore fan, and he's in this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that until the opening credits. Yeah, I didn't either. I saw his face, and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I really like him. So that was a nice surprise to see him. Other than that, I didn't really know. I wasn't familiar with any of the other actors. But I thought the performances were fine. Mm-hmm. I just think that, I mean, it wasn't my favorite Into the Dark. I know it's hard for you to judge because you haven't seen um, any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. But it just was very, hit the nail on the head with its message. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like Us or something like Get Out, where oh, those are both are trying to make political statements, right? This one is just bonk. And I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I get it. It's, like I said, it just didn't really bring anything new to the table for me. Cool idea, cool concept, but not the best execution. And I feel, like I said, I, I would tend to agree that, like I said, the message, not super original. But... The flair and the actual, like, the chops of the directing style, of the shooting style, I- I'm down for it. I'm ready to see the next thing. Like I said, this is this this is a young director just starting to kind of find her groove. And I think that the more that we keep an eye on her, the more likely it is she'll be able to create cool things. And like I said, having that attachment to Blumhouse on this level means that maybe you'll look into getting, you know, something, something down the line that might be a little bit bigger or a little bit brighter. And... I'm all for that. Right. And and then kudos to anybody that's able to juggle, like you were saying, the darkness and then the overly color saturated light, because typically those things are very separate Mm -hmm. when we get movies. It's either one or the other for the most part. You know what I mean? And this one did blend those in a way that worked and it's not jarring. Yeah. Whereas when we watched Annabelle, Annabelle Annabelle comes home and it was very like, bam. And you're like, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. You know, where it was almost unsettling because it was painful in a way. Mm-hmm. This one didn't really have that feeling. It kind of blended them both. And in the end, it was a little kind of wrapped up neatly where she, everyone gets away. She finds her boyfriend who raped her, who she was looking for, kills him, and then just go, goes back to Mexico to be with her family. <laughs> I was like, all right. The, o- the only person who doesn't end up making it out on that end is... Uh is Ricky, the little kid. And that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. But, I mean, I like, if you're going to write something, give us some stakes like that. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. But that's kind of stuff where people who are going to watch this series and people who are big horror fans like you and I are, then that's kind of stuff we want. Where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, typically that doesn't happen, so make it happen so that it's surprising for us. Yeah. And it's a treat. You want to rate this bad boy? Um, let's rate it out, um, we'll do one to five elotes. <laughs> I would say, probably give it a three. A three? Yeah. I think that that's reasonable. It, it, it was entertaining, mm-hmm. and I was, 
watching it the whole time, and there was definitely some parts of me that were able to relate to both the Hispanic side and both the Caucasian side. And so I kind of liked that tug and that pull that I got from that. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you know, it wasn't something too fresh and too original to a point where I was like, that was tight. It was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go with a with a 3.5. Uh, you know, typically that's how we end up running things most of the time anyway. Um, but either way, uh, the reasons for me just to give it that little bit of extra push, like I said, is because I feel like it's an up-and-coming director that's doing great things. Uh, a lot of flair and a lot of style that I really enjoyed. And uh, it was something where, while the subject matter is a little dated and a little overdone, it was still done in a way where I, where I was able to get the message and it still felt tense and uncomfortable in a, in a way that it should. I agree with that. All right, so uh, that's our thoughts on Into the Dark. I would shot. recommend it. I would definitely recommend watching it. Um, they're also uh, they've announced the new one that's coming out in August. And it's some it's like School Spirit or something. It's, it's supposed to be about like a high school scenario. Yeah, second to last one. Yeah, and I wonder if they're gonna do. They're calling it a TV series, which I think is a little bit weird. I think it's just more of an anthology series, right? So. But I'll be interested to see if they get a season two or whatever they're going to call it. For the most part, I've, I've enjoyed them, and, and we can do an episode where we talk about them more. All right, so let's jump into that dessert course, Stranger Things 3. Let's get episodes five and six queued up. Transition. <laughs> it's been tough. Let me start by saying that because... Um, outside of me, I am the only person that hasn't finished the fucking third season, dude. Everybody's like, you finish it yet? You finish it yet? You finish it yet? I'm like, no. waiting patiently. I'm waiting, but I told myself I was at least going to wait until we were recording four of those episodes. So now that we're done with five and six, I can finally watch seven and eight. And that's it, right? Yep, that's it. That's It's, it's all done from there. So I am a little bit nervous. I think I might go back and just... Watch the whole thing all at once. Just right. It. Yeah, because I did that with one and two for the most part, and I really enjoyed it because they are essentially these long movies to mm-hmm. me. Because the show is very cinematic, and we've discussed it before. So I might try to do that. All right. So the episodes for this week that we're going to be talking about are five and six, The Flayed and E Pluribus Unum. The Flayed. Basically, it starts off with, Our Scoops Ahoy group headed down the elevator at a very rapid rate, not realizing what's going on, trying to figure things out. And then they end up in this lab. So they are trying to figure out what's going on with this lab, what they're doing with all of this, like, weird, like, green material. It almost reminded me of the ooze canisters from Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtles. The the live-action ones, the three from from our childhood. Yes. That it's an interesting little group, and I love the dynamic between uh, between the two the two adults and the two children. I think that they have that kind of they both have those good banter moments. And I, I think we've mentioned it before, but the addition of Erica is fantastic, mm-hmm. and her character becomes even stronger in these two episodes. She's fantastic, dude. Yeah, especially in in episode six, she was cracking me up. I really like that they gave Lucas a sister. And that we're getting to see a lot more of her. And she's getting a personality, too. And I love that, like, Dustin's like, yeah, all those things that you know about, you're a nerd. And, like, she's like, no, I'm not. I'm totally not a nerd. And he's like, you're a nerd. (laughs) You're hella good at math. You know all about My Little Pony. And then she's like, well, how do you know all that? He's like, because I'm a nerd. (laughs) Yeah. But that isn't episode six. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we'll get there. Um, Yeah. So they're in the lab. And they're like, what's going on? They end up stumbling across a bunch of Russians doing some crazy shit. And Steve wins a fight for once. Which was hilarious. Yeah. And it's not like he's a little bitch about stuff. I mean, he did he just, he gets take a, on a, demigor- a, demigor- a demigorgon <laughs> with a bat. Yeah. So, and he also took on Billy, who is a... Yeah, eight. Billy hit him in the face with a plate. Of course you're going to be hurt after that. Yeah. But I just love how Dustin was like, you want to fight? Like, he <laughs> was all excited about it. I don't know why I'm being so defensive about Steve. Yeah. It's because I dressed up as Steve last year for Halloween. That's what it is. You still, you still hold a place in my heart. Yep. But and then so we have the rest of our group. Well, one of the bigger groups, uh, which is going to be Nancy, Jonathan, and all of the remainder of the children at the hospital dealing with some gnar shit. I mean, it's freaking ridiculous. Right. So so they, they get with the kids because Will 
finally reveals what's going on to them. And then Nancy notices that what happened with the lady is reminiscent of what happened with Will in season two. Mm -hmm. And so she finds them and gets Jonathan and they all get together and they go to the hospital. And yeah, shit gets gnarly. It reminded me of a zombie movie essentially, right? And just a little bit crazier, almost like a scary mix of something like Dawn of the Dead. But then the kind of silly we're talking and a little bit goofy mix of something like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Where you get Busey's character and he's like kind of a zombie, but still talking and an asshole. <laughs> mm. And so I, I like that. Uh, yeah, it was a an interesting little take. Like I said, I love how dark and gritty that was. Like, And it goes between these really like tense moments with Jonathan and Nancy like struggling to try to like win out the day while all the kids are like dicking around with like the vending machines down downstairs and uh, Mike is trying to to make up for his mistakes and I love the I love that little line like uh, does your species like these <laughs> like <laughs> I thought it was like he's he's figuring out he's learning how to offer up the olive branch and that's it's a smart smart thing to learn right and L is like we had talked about me wanting was her to think a little bit more for herself. Mm-hmm. So not just getting pulled in one direction by Mike or the other di- direction by Max. She's kind of like, well, yeah, I dumped your ass because of what Max said, but I'm also kind of starting to come around because that's what I actually want. And so we're starting to see a little bit of that develop. And then we get to see a continuation of that in episode six. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, because I want L. I think you do too, yeah. just to be her own person. Yes. Although we like the mimicry and we like showing her learning and learning how to react in the social situations that she didn't have growing up, I want her to be L now. Yes. Uh, and then our final group is uh, Hopper and Joyce, and they head up. With, so they stumble upon uh, the Russian Starcourt conspiracy, and they find some of the. They find like a different entrance to some of the labs. And they also find... It's like the the power station, yeah. essentially. And then they find uh, some, like, scientists there. And so they end up capturing one on while they're on the run from Russian Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what his character's name is, but he's Russian Terminator for, for, like, for all times now. I mean, yeah, he's got the leather jacket on, he's got the bike, he's even got a similar look. And the build and, like, right. like the fact that he just takes hits and keeps on coming... That, I mean, that's just basically who he is. And so they take off to Chicago to go find, uh, is it Marvin? I don't remember his name, but it's the conspiracy dude from season two. Yeah. The guy who cracks the case and figures out that they have to dilute the story of what happened at Hawkins lab to make it something that was believable. So they could also let Barb's parents know that Barb was gone. Murray. Murray. There we go. Right, so that was interesting to see him become a part of the show again. I was not expecting that. I love that character, though. And I love that he keeps being the one to, like, point at people's, like, how they feel about each other and everything. Because he does it to Jonathan and Nancy in season in season two. And he starts to kind of hint at, like, hey, maybe you guys have a thing going between uh, Joyce and Hopper and I think, episode six. And I, like I said, I like that he's kind of, like, taking up that role a little bit. Uh almost kind of like playing matchmaker. <laughs> what, some of the stuff I really like is that we do have these new characters or different characters and they're going to, they're slowly getting introduced to this, what's happening. So like with Robin and with Erica, they're in the bunker and they're, um, Steve and Dustin see that they're opening the gate mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh shit. And they don't say it blatantly, but you can see the looks on their faces and they're, and their glances at each other that they know what's going on. Yeah. And then they have to talk to Robin and Erica. And that's all done off screen, which is great. Because we don't need to see that. We know yeah. what happened. So I'm glad that we don't have to see this explanation of that shit to them. But then we get to see Erica's reaction. And it's like, wait. My brother was there for all that stuff. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. <laughs> and then Dustin's like, so you believe that there were Debbie Dogs and Debbie Gorgons and all this other dimensional a la- shit? A lady, a lady who can cast magic, <laughs> and you don't. But the part to you that's unbelievable is that your brother was there. <laughs> yep, <laughs> dude, she's great. Yeah, uh, I like that she's more than just 
Lucas's sister now. Mm-hmm. She is a character. So that was cool to see that discovery. And and we get bits and pieces of what the Russians are doing. So, I, I mean, yeah, I really like that. And I like them being at the hospital and getting chased and all the scary stuff. And then we get the scary shit intermixed, like you were saying, at the same time with, like, the teeny drama stuff, which doesn't detract. It's not like a CW show where it's like, oh, my God, my boyfriend. <laughs> it's, like, done. <laughs> that's how their shows are. And I still watch them, but that's not the point. And it's done more in a way that makes sense, and it's just this character building versus just adding drama, if that's yeah. what you want to call it. And, yeah, so I enjoy that. So what I didn't really 100% understand is, so there's the newspaper boss, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's... Busey's character, and they're trying to fight Nancy and Jonathan. Yes. And, again, great fight scene or attack scene or whatever you want to call it. And they had Jonathan limp throughout, and I think he's still limping. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool because a lot of times you see characters get beat up in shows or in movies, and then they're fine the next scene. Yeah. So I like that they kept him like that. But how come when they killed one, the other one died? So I think it's – I think it might have to do – with like a hierarchy it's almost like a pyramid scheme okay so that's kind of what i thought but i wanted to hear your thoughts on it too so when so the newspaper boss made Busey and flayed yes and so because newspaper boss died anyone <laughs> under his his link of the pyramid dies with him okay uh where so like if billy was killed everybody but the monster would die okay and I think that that's the I think that's the concept here. That makes sense, and I kind of I kind of like that idea. It reminds me of like old school vampire lore, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like you kill Dracula, then the rest of the vampires die. For them to bring in other mythologies and kind of incorporate it into their mythology, I think is interesting, mm-hmm. and it makes you connect with it more because you're familiar with those other ideas, and now you get to see it in a new light. We've kind of talked about episode six a bit, so let's go ahead and jump into it, yeah? Um, yeah, I mean, so we have our Scoops Ahoy group. We have them uh, separated. The two younger kids are trying to escape and get away. And we have Robin and Steve behind, basically being beaten to shit by the Russians. And they're trying to figure out, like, who sent them or how they figured it out. And they think that there's some kind of, like, a, gov- a government entity or an agency or something like that. When in reality, it's just a bunch of kids who stumbled upon you. I think even Robin mentions it as she's talking to them. It's like, yeah, a group of four kids figured out your bullshit. You guys are dumb. Like, in a day. Yeah, in one day. And she made a big deal about it. And like I said, the two of them all, like, drugged up. And like having like this like heart to heart conversation and everything is is pretty great. I liked it a lot. A little bit tropey, but intentionally, mm-hmm. where you know Steve's the popular kid and doesn't notice the girl behind him. And so I was like, all right, but I was into it. And it wasn't overly sappy or mm-hmm. like saturated the scene. It was just there and it made sense because they were both I'm guessing it was some kind of truth serum. Yeah. Or something like that. And so it worked. Mm-hmm. But I like that I like that they do the tropes in an intentional way and make them work within the story. Mm-hmm. But man, Steve can take a fucking beating. Am I right? Yeah. Good for him. I will say listening to to you in the ether of season or episode six before episode seven. I, I can't wait till you watch episode seven <laughs> of like there, like there's some definite like revelations and things that'll happen. Okay. That I think you're going to be pretty stoked about so I want to save what's going on with Nancy and Jonathan for after. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Joyce and Hopper because I think the Nancy, Jonathan, and the kids stuff is a little bit more interesting. So yeah. Joyce and Hopper are now getting what's going on. Yeah, they're figuring it out. And so the the doctor finally reveals – I think it's Alexi? Yeah, Alexi. Reveals what the Russians are doing. So they try to open the gate, which we saw at the beginning of, season, of the season, and it wouldn't hold. And it was because the second part to the equation for opening the gate was the location, which was Hawkins, as we know, because they've had the gate open. So that's why they're here. That's why they came here specifically. So we're kind of still seeing the remnants of what happened in season one and season two still affect the town. Yeah. I really like that because otherwise, what's the connection? There needs to be something to tie that shit here. And so I'm glad that they did that. And then Hopper and Joy start freaking out because obviously they know 
what's going on. They know what's going to happen. Right. And they try to contact Dr. Owens. Yes. And that was, that was kind of cool. It's like a little mystery and what's going on. And it reminded me of like old school spy movies. Mm-hmm. And then they put the Stranger Things twist on it. And Joyce is like, excuse me. <laughs> Tell him he needs to come now. <laughs> <laughs> Can I speak to your manager, please? Pretty much. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, that that was funny. And it's not like over the top funny, and I and I was I was a little bit like ah, okay okay okay, but you're Joyce Byers, so I'll give you a pass. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want too much of that, and so I'm glad that they just do it a just little bit. Dead. Yeah, they just have her kind of flex her tiger mom for a couple of seconds, and then <laughs> and then reel it back in again. Um, but That's I basically what's going on with them, yeah, yeah, and I mean I really like Hop's kind of take on on interrogation. Like we get to see two different sides of him. We get to see him in the earlier episodes. We get to see him basically almost cut someone's finger off to try to get his information with Carrie Elwes. Still love that scene. And then with Alexi, we get him basically being like, "Oh yeah, like I like I know your bluff here. Like here are the keys. Head home anytime you want." And then uh, basically calls that bluff. Alexi goes all the way to the edge of the gate in the car and then turns around, hands the keys back, and he's like strawberries fine and then sits down <laughs> sits down and basically breaks and gives them all the information at first i was like man the balls of this guy yeah no <laughs> what cherry or whatever i can't do a russian accent i'm so i can try <laughs> i mean interesting and i'm glad that that story is progressing it is a little bit slower than some of the other stuff that's happening and so i'll be interested to see what they do with the next two episodes but that's basically all that goes on there so then let's go ahead and talk about Nancy and Jonathan and the, and the boys and Max. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. The kids. We'll call them the kids. The chillins. And the chitlins, yes. So we get a big reveal from Mike, which was a little bit cliched. It was cute. It was cute but, as hell. Right, right. It was cute as hell. And and, and I love everyone's reactions. Yeah. Whether They're like, so <gasps> he's like there he's arguing his case to Nancy and Jonathan. While Max is arguing her case to Nancy and Jonathan about whether or not Elle should push herself to make to use her powers to to find Billy and what's going on, and Mike is in, in, on the side of protecting her and making sure that she's not being put in harm's way just because she's stronger than everyone else. Right. And Max is saying Eleven can make those decisions for herself. She's a person and she should have her own identity and be able to do what she wants. But also while kind of pushing her own agenda to. To find them because she yeah. wants to further progress it, right? Mm-hmm. And then Mike reveals, I can't lose her again. I love her. Yeah. Or it might be the other way around. Either way. And everyone is just kind of like taken aback. No one says anything. And then yeah. Elle walks in and is like, What's up? <laughs> like, Nothing. And I thought it was cute. I thought it was very cute. Totally. And, but again, like, you know. It's it's been done. Yeah, it's been done, but it's also the most real thing that Mike's done, like almost all season. Right, and and in that scene when he is arguing, that to me felt the most Mike that I've seen him act all season. And I guess the most Mike from one and two. Obviously, he's a character that grows and develops and changes, but that was the most reminiscent for me of how like his real personality he used like. to be. Yeah, when he's not a puppy love asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, not only is he like. Like feeling like he's like the, the cock of the walk and shit because he's got a girlfriend, but he's also going through puberty. He's you know getting taller, a lot of testosterone and and hormones and emotions and also the crazy stuff are kind of like dictating some of his behavior. But to get to see like his actual personality kind of jump back out and be like, hey, I'm here still. I I liked that a lot. Right, and I like him getting excited. I guess emotionally, where mm-hmm. he's like. No, we need to do this, and just like yelling, and you get to see that intensity, and you get to let that actor—is it Flynn? Yeah, uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard, yeah, just really flex his chops. And I mean, we've seen him do it before, but I enjoyed it when he's done it before. I'm like, yeah, bring it. Yeah, the—I mean, uh, the closest like reminiscence to season two with the scene with him and Hopper, where he's just punching the shit out of him. You know, like that—that's probably one of the best acted scenes in the entire show, and. To see him kind of like, you know, showing some of that form and that he's still there, I, I'm I'm all about it. Right. So then, um, that scene when L goes into Billy's mind was one gorgeous. Yes. And I was very unsure where it was going. Mm-hmm. I thought that maybe we were going to see Billy's mom die. 
And that's why his dad's such an asshole because he blames her for her death, like something at the beach, right? And so, I mean, that didn't happen. But it's just kind of Billy through the years, mm-hmm. essentially. And I liked it. And it's it's kind of scary. Yes. And we get this Cthulhu-looking landscape, which we've gotten throughout the series, yeah. which we've liked and we've talked about. And we have this very Cthulhu-esque monster. And so it, it worked even more for me in this context. Mm-hmm. And that scene of the swirling and the colors and the storm. And then we get to, we get to literally see the calm <laughs> before the storm. Yeah. And I think that that's probably foreshadowing what's coming with 7 and 8. I'm excited for you to watch them. But that <laughs> scene is gorgeous. Gore- gorgeous. And it's so emotionally affecting. And it's, even coming from me, I, like, I, I mean, I don't have a very tumultuous past with my parents. Not anything that's really worth writing home about. But for anybody who's, like, been on the other side of that type of adversity, even, like, a tiny little bit, and that that's that's just about anybody. Anybody has had some kind of, like, a little, little push and shove with their parents emotionally. Like, watching that, it it's heartbreaking. Like, you get to see what this kid was and what terrible things happened to him to turn him into the shithead adult that he is now. And it's... It's horrifying and it's it's sad and it's like I said it's very emotionally affecting. Definitely sad, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, God damn it, they made me like Billy. Yeah, <laughs> or like Phil for Billy. Yeah, you know, empathize with him, I should say. But I was like, God, this show mm-hmm. because you hate Steve for a minute, right? And they're like, God damn it, I love Steve. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you'll ever love Billy, but at least now you're like, okay, well, that's why. Yeah, but as far as like the end of that scene goes, when it turns away and it goes back to him and her on the bed, and he's like, I see you now. Whoo! Whoo! We all see you. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. dude. So she can't go into her little mind thing. Yeah, that's weird. And... I love that there's just not a cap on what she can and can't do with her powers and there's not any rules or mm-hmm. limitations to what happens in this world lim- in this weird limbo place that we get to go to the the black water place. Yeah. I don't know what do you call it? I usually just go with the with the Sherlock reference, the Mind Palace. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> we get to see a lot of that develop throughout these 3 seasons and her sort of shy away from using her powers only when necessary. And I mean, yeah, she's using them a lot more now. Yeah. And most of the time it is necessary, but she does do it to, you know, fuck with Dustin and to spy on the boys and all this other shit to see that just grow. And her not really understand it either is, is pretty cool. Just, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the best word for it. It's neat. Yeah. (laughs) It's neat. Oh man. (laughs) But now they can see her. Mm-hmm. And now I guess they can probably locate her and know where she's at. So I'm guessing that they're probably going to want to come for her. And I think I think um, part of what the Mind Flayer wants is Will. Yeah. So they want to get rid of L and get rid of Will or take on Will for some reason. For some reason, it wants Will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really know why. There's, yeah. Maybe there's remnants of it. I mean, I guess you might know, but... <laughs> I said, well, we'll find out. We'll find out here. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it, I mean, it all kind of wraps up at that point uh, for episode six. So now they're, you know, we're kind of like left with like the what happens with the end of this. They've got two hours essentially to wrap this up. A little bit more, right? Yeah, a little bit more. I think one of the episodes is an hour and a half. Uh, but we've so we've got a little bit of time left to kind of wrap up the storylines a little bit and get it to a point where it's, you know, a, a doable season. They're not the kind of group that's like, we're going to leave a huge cliffhanger kind of deal. You know, at least not one that's you know earned or one that's part of this segment of the story. They give you everything that's supposed to be on the table all at once. So I'm interested to see what you end up thinking about it. I already know how I feel about it, uh, but I'm really excited to talk about it. I am too, and I'm just nervous because what if I don't like the end of it? Because, let's face it, you can fuck up a movie in the end, mm-hmm. right? There's two parts of the movie, don't they say? Yeah. The ending and everything else. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously it's a show, but still. I mean, I got to say, so far, I am I am not disappointed. It's not necessarily gone in the direction that I have wanted it to and taken the steps that I wanted to to complete some of the other storylines that we've gotten throughout the first two. Mm-hmm. But it has been massively entertaining, 
well-written, well-shot, and gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for uh, what we've got for this week. So let's hop into what we're going to do for next week on our watch list. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. All right, so obviously I think the biggest thing to put on your watch list is the last two episodes of season three of Stranger Things. So it's going to be episode seven and episode eight. If you haven't already, if you're listening to this, you probably have already because I think everybody I know that watches Stranger Things has already finished it except me. As far as I know, I'm pretty sure, yeah. (laughs) In Um, the world. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, if you haven't, I would highly suggest uh, there's a little birdie telling you to revisit our horror Shameful Misses episode because we might talk about a couple things that are on that list next week as well. I don't have a sound clip for mine. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> there you go. Those are your hints. <laughs> yeah. So uh, whatever whatever those things are, check those out to make sure that you're not uh, not getting hit by the spoiler bug. Uh, and also, I'm going to say The Boys. It looks interesting. I'm super excited to check it out. I'm probably going to start that bad, bad business uh, as soon as it comes out. Uh, but either way, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show this week. As always, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. Hit us up on any of our socials or at our email address to let us know how we're doing, if there's any feedback you have for us, if there's anything that you want from us on the show, or if you just want to say, hi, what's up, and I liked this movie or some, um, something like that. Um, we are at Porson Peak everywhere on the internet. PorsonPeak at gmail.com is the email you can get a hold of us at. Um, you can check out uh, episode notes and other additional information about our lives and about uh, the podcast and about horror and sci-fi in general on porsonpeak.com. You can catch this show basically anywhere that podcasts are available uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, a little bit on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and uh, the obviously the big one, PodCoin. Don't forget to use the code PORCELAIN to get 300 free coins. Uh, And other than that, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep it strange. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.